Well, happy Thanksgiving week and welcome back to The Messy Table, which just so happens to be an ordinary space for real women like me and like you, for imperfect stories and for the God who's at work in our mess. I'm Jen Jewell, the host of this Conversation Style podcast, which airs a brand new episode every other Tuesday. And we are partnered with the women of Life Church, as well as massive fans of the YouVersion Bible app, God's Word literally in our pockets for free wherever we go. And guys, we also love locking arms with you and really any person anywhere who's choosing to surrender the pieces of their story into the mighty hand of God. Y'all, He's the one, not us. He's the one who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. So let's cut to the chase. You are possibly out picking up groceries sometime today or tomorrow to make that special Thanksgiving dish. Maybe you're finishing up at work so you can take time off. Maybe you're prepping suitcases to travel, to spend time with family. Or maybe you are the brave and heroic soul who is the host of Thanksgiving Day, and I'm sending magical shots of espresso your way. Basically, whether you're driving or folding laundry or baking your favorite pumpkin cake with cream cheese frosting, and praise God for cream cheese frosting. Guys, we are so truly honored you're here. And as we kick off these much anticipated holidays, we can also start with the truth. The truth is, the holidays can be a magnifier. The good times are great, the hard times can be excruciatingly hard, and the awkwardness that sometimes comes with certain situations, well, it's real and extra grace is required. But listen, y'all, I want you to get ready. My wise and compassionate and beautiful friend, Kim Duncan, is here in my house, ready to share her heart and story with you. Kim is a pastor's wife, a mom of four awesome kids, and the glue that holds her blended family together. As someone who was single all through her 20s and then became a wife and stepmom in one single day, who has since added two more little women to the mix, What I'm trying to say is that Kim knows what it's like to enter into the holiday season in an untraditional fashion. But actually, untraditional has become more of the norm. So if you are single, if you are a step-parent, if you are either through divorce or a death, part of a blended family, you are not forgotten. You are not alone. And you are not the only one fighting to honor God exactly where you are. While Kim is only one woman with one story and the details will obviously look different in each unique situation, we hope that her story will remind you of God's goodness and how He's with you every step of the way. Now, if those categories don't describe you and your life, I promise, as always, there is so much here for you, so much we can learn simply by listening to someone else's perspective, so many ways we can grow in understanding and empathy and love. Y'all, it's always a good day to hear stories of God's faithfulness. So add some pumpkin creamer to your black coffee, pull up a chair, and join me for a chat with Kim. Kim, welcome to The Messy Table. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad you're here. Me too. And I want to give you extra props because you have a three-month-old baby and still managed to fit this recording in between feedings. Yes. God is the God of miracles, let me tell you. (laughs) Hashtag winning. Yes. You are doing it. I do my best. I love The Messy Table podcast. I listen to it in my home when I'm doing laundry or the dishes. And there's been so many times where I'm like doing dishes crying because (laughs) it's exactly what I needed to hear. And just these women's stories are so powerful and such great reminders of God's faithfulness, His goodness. And it seems like every time I put 
an episode on, it was exactly the truth reminder that I needed for that day. So thank you Mm -hmm. for what you do. And um, thanks for letting me join today Mm -hmm. and add my story. Well, I'm glad you're here. And I mean, I really am so grateful for the women like you who have been brave enough to come on and share their stories. So yeah. well, first, before we kind of dive in, would you just tell everyone about you, who you are, and what you're all about? Awesome. Well, my name is Kim, and I am wife to Kyle, and I'm a mom of a blended family. So I spend most of my days chasing, guiding, and loving Oscar, Abel, Ivy, and Tilly. Uh, my husband has the honor of serving at Life Church South Broken Arrow. What, what? I know. We love it. He is the Life Group's Life Missions pastor there. And right now we are figuring out life as a family of six. Sweet Tilly just joined this world this last summer. And uh, I'm going to shoot you really straight. It's really kind of wild and crazy figuring out what that looks like, but it's totally worth it. Yes. Uh, Her cheeks are starting to fill out. It's my favorite stage where you just want to squeeze them. Yeah. I'm kind of living on coffee, dry shampoo, and baby (laughs) smiles and giggles. (laughs) The best. All right. So we're coming into the holidays. Do your kids have any like traditions or things that they are looking forward to? Super excited about? Yes. I think one of our family's favorite traditions, we talk about it throughout the year, is dad's famous Christmas carbonara. Oh, it is so good. It is a carb feast. It's yummy. He got the recipe from this friend who was a missionary over in Italy, and it's like from the back kitchen in Italy. Yeah. He spends most of the morning after we open presents cooking it, and then we have just this lunch feast with candles and sparkling grape juice. How fun is that? always do cheers. Yeah. So it's funny because we do it every year, but now our toddler who is three now, she always asks for a candle when we have any pasta or like bread to dip because that's what we do at Christmas Carbonara. I was going to say, you know, and if you wanted to invite any friends over for that, that would be (laughs) awesome. And we'd probably be available. But if it's, you know, on the day you celebrate Christmas, then we won't. Well, we actually had Christmas in July this year, right after having a baby. I couldn't wait until Christmas. (laughs) I told my husband, I need some Carbonara We need it twice this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially after you've had a baby, you get whatever you want. Totally. So what is something that most people wouldn't know about you. Okay, yeah. So most people don't really know about my acting career. Your acting career? <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, I was a child celebrity. Were you now? <laughs> I was, yeah. I had a Christmas commercial, as we talk about loving Christmas. Uh, I was in a Christmas commercial for Sony that wow. aired in Panama. A really big family. We all got Sony presents. That's awesome. Did you get royalties for being in it? I, I got paid for the commercial. Okay. That's what I mean. But to this day, I really don't know how much because my you know, my parents let <laughs> Your me. parents got paid, basically. Bought, how old were you? I bought Aladdin toys with <laughs> the money from the commercial. I was eight, uh, maybe nine on the second one. I think I was maybe still eight. Um, so Sony commercial aired in Panama. And then I was in a commercial for Cardo Maggi which is chicken bouillon cubes. Oh, yeah. And that one aired in Chile for almost four years. It just kept going and going. So, you know, once we came to the States, anytime someone came over to my house 
anyone. Mm-hmm. Like my mom would go grab the VHS that had my um, the that had, VHS. Yes, <laughs> the VHS that had uh, my aired commercials on it, and just show them. You know, she was so proud, and this really went on like my entire childhood, and even <laughs> into my like being an adult. I think we should bring it the back highlights. now. Maybe we should dig yeah, it up. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, you can totally see it. Rose, can you please uh, <laughs> get that out and tag us on right. Facebook so we can see it? So really, my child celebrity only goes as far as my mom being my biggest fan, I but that's it. how it should be, right? Hey, I was in a Home Depot commercial in college. Look at you. So basically, we have two celebrities here at this table. <laughs> you guys are welcome. We'll be signing off. There's a line forming outside my house right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So you mentioned Panama, Chile, and not living in the United States. Yeah. What's the story there? Yes. My parents were missionaries in Chile for 18 years. So I had the privilege of being born and living the first nine years of my life in the beautiful country of Chile. The country is beautiful. The people are beautiful. But then after that, my family moved to Joplin, Missouri. And (laughs) That's a pretty big change. It is. Chile to Joplin, Missouri. So what are some of your favorite memories of Chile? Chile is a really long, skinny country, Mm -hmm. and we lived in Santiago, the capital. What I loved was you drive an hour or so to the coast, and you're at the beach, Mm -hmm. or you drive an hour or so up to the top of the Andes Mountains, and you have snow. So I was really spoiled with, like, when the weather was warm, we always went to the beach, and when it was cold, we always went skiing. Mm. And then I moved to the middle of the United States. (laughs) To the middle of nowhere. Where there are no beaches and no mountains. Right. So I— I feel your pain. I know. And the food. Let me be honest. I think about the food of Chile all the time Mm -hmm. and miss it. Mm. It it makes you feel all warm inside. Mm. So you grew up in Chile. You moved to Joplin. What after that? I went to college in Joplin. And then after that, I found myself living in Mexico teaching English for a year. And at that point in my life, that's when I realized I loved working with students, but I really did not like the academics side of it. <laughs> like, I remember just sitting down with my 10th graders and being like, hey, how's life? How are you? Like, tell me what's going on. By the way, you're failing English, but let's just talk about, mm-hmm. like, how are you doing? <laughs> and that led me into just thinking that maybe uh, not teaching high schoolers was the best thing, but mm-hmm. um, after that, I got set up with an internship to work at a church in Las Vegas in student ministry. All right. And so... Uh, so Chile, Joplin, Mexico, Las Vegas. Got I know. It. <laughs> You're everywhere. A little everywhere. bit of everything. Yeah. So I moved back from Mexico and a week later moved to Las Vegas and started an internship working with middle school and high school students. And I never left. The internship turned into really a five-year full-time ministry there of just loving on students. Um, and you didn't have to teach him English or math or anything. I didn't have to teach him English or math. I worked with an incredible team out there uh, that loved students. And I got to focus a lot on working, um, on pouring into our female leaders, our female students, but also with life groups, which is just so ironic that now I'm married to a life groups Mm -hmm. pastor. Ministry out there. Uh, the harvest is plentiful. You're not in the Bible Belt. No, there's not a church culture of this is really how we should be behaving. So I found just a lot of students in a really authentic place of they didn't know what the Bible had to say about this. And so we could sit down at coffee and, mm-hmm. hey, what what's God's heart on this? And during my years in student ministry out in Vegas, I really found a lot of the students needing some professional care. Um, and I really could only take my pastoral 
counseling or care as far as I could. And over the years, I found myself really wanting to be able to step with the students through that. And Mm -hmm. so... And professional, you mean like therapy, counseling. counseling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it was really a, a year or so of praying about if God had maybe called me and equipped me to be someone who could do that. And so um, the grad school that I wanted to go to was in the Midwest. So I finished up my uh, ministry in Las Vegas and transitioned back to the Midwest to get my master's in clinical mental health counseling. And my focus was to work with students or kids and help them through maybe some of the things that life had thrown at them mm-hmm. and just step with them step by step through a journey of greater health. Cool. So I moved to the Midwest and you know at this point in my life I was still single. I was 29 years old mm-hmm. and had really spent a good chunk of my adult life single and really wrestling through what that looked like because I desired to be married. Mm-hmm. And that's a tough place to be in, especially, you know, um, I went to a Bible college where most people get married off before even graduating. Mm-hmm. Um, they get their MRS degree. Yes. Or even just all my friends. Like I've been a bridesmaid nine times, mm-hmm. uh, three of which I was the maid of honor Mm -hmm. like my mom used to joke she went to the movies to see 27 dresses Mm -hmm. and she was like that's your life and it was in a season where it was a little bit too much raw Mm -hmm. and I was like I know please don't Mm -hmm. say that salt in the wound exactly but I spent a good chunk of time just really trying to wrestle through why God had still had me single why he hadn't answered my prayer. Um, I had prayed for years and years, God, you know, I desire to be married. I desire to have a husband. But what I really found through that journey was God had so much in store for me in the now Mm -hmm. that trying to skip ahead to the what's next and when will I arrive to over here? He had so much that he was just really like, hey, the door's wide open, just step into it. Mm-hmm. So looking back, what did God show you in that season? Yeah, lots of stuff. <laughs> lots of, gosh, I had lots of tears, just to be honest, through maybe a relationship that didn't work out mm-hmm. when desiring that. You know, I can remember praying and trying to figure out what what God had for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it seemed like everyone else around me was getting married and even starting a family. So at age 29, most of the friends my age weren't just married, but they were married with kids. Mm-hmm. And what I found in that season is that God has so much to offer us if we have eyes to see it. Um, so it was easy to feel like no one looks like I do. No one is in the same season of life when in reality I had close friendships with moms and was able to have a front row seat to see how they parented their kids before I was ever there or mm-hmm. had a front row seat to see my friend's marriage and to see how they dealt with conflict and how they did it in a good and healthy way. And because I didn't shut the door to really being in a season life that maybe I didn't fully want to be in, mm-hmm. God showed up in a big way with so many surprises and joys along the way. Mm-hmm. Sure, I desired to be married, but I think back to my 20s and I think about all the margin I had and all that I was able to do in ministry for students, but also just as a friend. Like I had much more margin oh, yeah. to be a great friend mm-hmm. and to um, fly to Thailand 
when one of my best friends had her first child. Exactly. You know, now I really cannot right. make that. We were just talking about <laughs> yeah. that, how the margin is really little, especially when you have a baby. Exactly. <laughs> three other kiddos at home. It's just, you know, and it's awesome and it's wonderful, but it's a different season of life. So it is. And so I'm glad that I didn't miss that season and there was a lot of learning and mm-hmm. I feel like God used it in a huge way, but it was still a struggle to find both my identity in that season and to find contentment. I can remember, you know, when life was hard, I had so many great friends or mentors or people around me. But when you're single, you have this moment where you think, which one should I call when I need something? Mm -hmm. Because there's not one person who they're always your priority. Mm -hmm. So I had great friends and great people, but sometimes... Um, that really good friend, their husband or their kid needed them and they were the priority then. So maybe if I'm needing her and I'm calling her, she's not available. I think that's one of the reasons that I'm also so passionate about life groups and having community around you because life is going to happen. Life is messy. And when life happens, having people in your corner is important. For sure. So you're obviously married now. Connect the dots for us. Yes, I'm married to Kyle. He's fantastic. He is. Um, Kyle. Yeah. He's my greatest surprise. I moved to the Midwest to pursue my dream and to get my master's in clinical mental health. I mean, I had probably the five-year plan mentally marked out, right? And that's when I met Kyle Mm -hmm. (laughs) and he wasn't even at my grad school. He wasn't even in the same city. We met through some mutual friends. So when I say he's my greatest surprise, he really put a kink in my five-year plan. (laughs) In a good way. Yes. So I met Kyle and honestly, we fell really, really hard and fast. Um, But like I said, I was a little bit more reluctant because I had spent all those years finding contentment. And here was this guy who showed up and made me want to put that on pause. Mm -hmm. But you had prayed for that and you wanted that, but then it showed up and (laughs) it showed up at such a different time, such an unexpected time. And he was a single dad Mm -hmm. and he had two little boys. So that's really what put the not finishing grad school and uh, marrying years down the road, but Um, If we were going to do this and if we were serious, we were committed to each other and talking marriage, Mm -hmm. what was best for those young boys was to do that sooner rather than later. And Oscar and Abel were how old at this time? They were six and three. Okay. So, gosh, Abel just had the little toddler cheeks. Oh, yeah. The tiny teeth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, Oscar was this little kindergartner who would not stop talking. I mean, he still (laughs) talks a lot. But when he was a kindergartner, it was just Mm -hmm. nonstop. Mm -hmm. He was always saying something. And um, I really... I didn't meet the boys until Kyle and I knew mm. marriage was, was a ask, for sure yeah. thing. Right. Um, Did, were you ever hesitant? Like, sure, he has these precious boys, but were you ever hesitant? Like, okay, I know that if I commit to marriage, then I'm committing to be an instant mom. I don't think I was hesitant. I think I was naive. Mm. Um, <laughs> and I'm laughing because I'm picturing my best friend who um, her and her husband were the mutual friends that essentially set Kyle and myself up. And I'm laughing because when I was like processing through even 
being open to dating him. I I said this small thing like, you know, the fact that he has kids, I mean, that's not really the biggest thing. And she laughs all the time about just the, the naivety that I had that that wasn't as big of a deal as I thought. I love kids. That should be enough, right? And in reality, as we see with um, divorce, um, it's messy and it's broken. And marrying into a situation where divorce has happened, um, I can tell you without a doubt that it grieves God's heart. Mm-hmm. It's not what is intended for family. And as a stepmom, I still grieve that at mm-hmm. times. But God is a powerful God who can redeem yes. anything. Mm-hmm. And he redeems things. He makes things good, again, in the light of messy and brokenness. And so I I don't think I fully knew the messiness that meant marrying a man and being the second wife mm-hmm. <laughs> and marrying into kids. But um, knowing everything I know now. I would still make the same choice. Mm -hmm. Like they are totally worth it. And we have a beautiful story. Um, Oscar proposed to me probably 16 times before Kyle did. (laughs) Like I said, we already knew marriage was in the picture, but just, you know, a single dad explaining to a six-year-old what it looks like to blend a family. Mm -hmm. And at the time, Kyle had 100% time with the boys, correct? He did, yeah. When we were dating, he had 100% time with the boys. So Oscar had a conversation with him about how he wanted Miss Kim to live with them. And so Kyle had to talk through family lives together and to make Miss Kim family. um, I would have to marry her and make her my wife. And so they went out for pancakes in the morning and then they called and, uh, you know, Oscar right there on the phone. Hey, Miss Kim, will you marry my dad? And <laughs> Kyle's grabbing the phone. Hey, buddy, like dad has to be the one who has. <laughs> so, cute. so he really had to work through what that process looks like. But I just anytime we look back on the story, you know, the, the scripture, Ephesians 320, where it talks about how. God can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. Had we tried to script the story of our family, I still think we would have fallen short than what God actually did Mm -hmm. because it was greater than we could imagine. It was more than I could have ever asked. And I've always loved that scripture, but in the past few years, God has really fleshed that out for me because I tend to be a little bit of a control freak and a planner. And this plan looks so nice and pretty with a bow on it. And God's always like, that's so cute, Kim. <laughs> Here's what I actually have right. for you. And it's always 10 times greater. Yeah. And so um, what God did in our story there was just incredible. And we couldn't have asked for it to be written in a better way. Mm-hmm. That's such a good point. It also makes me think of the verse um, that man makes his plans, but the mm-hmm. Lord determines his steps. Yeah. And so it's both. We're not called to do nothing, but yeah. you know, as we remain in him and as we walk with him, he guides us in a better way than we ever could guide yeah, ourselves. Definitely. Yeah. So Kyle and the boys were totally worth being a grad school dropout. And so I dropped out of grad school and two weeks later got married. Mm, Two weeks later. (laughs) Yeah. How long were you engaged? Not very long. I love it. (laughs) Not very long. Um, So I was 30 years old. And in one day, I became a wife and an instant mom. 
Uh, we went to Maine for our honeymoon. I love Maine. Oh my gosh. We have dreams about Maine and we always talk about going back. We went in May and it was perfect spring weather every single day. And really why we went is because neither of us had ever been and Mm -hmm. we wanted to go experience someplace new together. Mm -hmm. And I can remember it was like the second to last day of our honeymoon and we had ridden this cog rail uh, all the way up a mountaintop in New Hampshire. And turns out it was perfect spring weather on the ground. But once you're on the mountaintop, it actually is a blizzard up there. So we were not dressed appropriately at all. So I'm actually sitting in the lobby sipping hot chocolate. But for my husband, you don't go up to the mountaintop and not frolic on the mountaintop. Well, yeah. Even if there's a blizzard up there. Sure. But while he left to frolic on his own, all of a sudden it just like hit me. When I get back, I'm going to be a mom. Mm -hmm. And so when he came back to find me, I was actually Googling fun summer kid activities because I had no clue what I was going to do for the summer. And honestly, I was a little bit terrified. Mm -hmm. And we had decided for the summer it was best for me to stay at home with them um, and start the blending process. Mm -hmm. But like... Single for 30 years and then bam, full-time <laughs> summer mom. It's a little change. Like if you're a mom, you know summer is an entirely different it is. animal and that <laughs> is where I that. started. <laughs> you feel like you live two different lives, summer and not summer. Yeah. So he came in to find me Googling and gosh, he's wonderful enough to know all of just the stress that was there. And I remember him holding my hands and just saying, you've got this mm-hmm. and, you know, just I didn't think I was maybe equipped or ready for it, Mm -hmm. but God did have me the whole way. And that summer, like it was a ride. It was fast and it was crazy. We all lived in a 900 square foot. So four of us and a dog. And a dog. um, A little house with lots of love in it. And it was just a... uh, It was a summer of learning, Mm -hmm. and uh, we had a tiny, tiny bathroom that all summer long, the towel fell into the toilet. Um, One of the boys, I won't mention names, just um, happened to drop it in the toilet every time he wiped his hands, and then he would hang it back up. So it was just summer struggle. Did you realize this was happening? Well, at first, I didn't know why the towel was soaked through, Uh and I mean, it took a while to figure out what was going on, and then I figured out, and you know, tried to talk about it and it would continue. So it was a lot of like rephrasing, like if the towel falls in the toilet, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. Come let me know. We'll put it in the washer and right. we'll put a clean one up. Which these are typical mom conversations. But again, this is all new for you. And yeah. all of a sudden. I did not have a toilet towel yeah. before marrying in. Zero to 100. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, in blended families, they talk about how you blend not on a microwave, but on a crock pot. And um, that's what it was for us. I think our setting was on high rather than low, but we started that blending process Mm -hmm. that summer and it was really great. All right. So I know you mentioned that being a part of a blended family gets really messy. Can you elaborate on some of that? Yeah, definitely. As I mentioned, when we were dating and even that first summer being married, uh, Kyle had 100% time with the boys. So really, we didn't look like a blended family early on if you didn't know our story. Mm -hmm. Because there was Um, none of the back and forth at that time. No. And then um, about five months into marriage, just life drastically shifted and changed. So much to my surprise, I left work one day 
and I went and took a pregnancy test in the bathroom of a Walgreens mm-hmm. um, to find out that I was expecting. <laughs> I couldn't believe it, and I immediately went to share the news with Kyle. It was a day of just really excited and lots of different emotions. And then I was still living in the joy and excitement of it, and the very next day, got a knock on the front door and I was served papers for my husband to appear in court. And you see things like that in the movie, but experiencing it was something that was just entirely different for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because there had been no conversations before this? There had really not been any legal stuff. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, someone's showing up and serving me papers that I have to sign for and even saying the words, you've been served. And I just, I didn't know what all of it meant. So mm-hmm. there was a lot of just like fear and worry. And I remember calling Kyle who was at work. And uh, honestly, I was just on the floor like sobbing because I didn't know what was going on. And really what that led to was just months of some lengthy and really not so pretty court situations. Mm -hmm. Like we were in a court battle and the details of it are not really important or something I want to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really want to try and protect my family with not getting into um, some of the messy details. But what happened was on the other end of it, our family dynamic was going to look drastically different. Where Kyle had 100% of the time, now we were looking at a situation with shared time. And that was a shift for us. And that was a change, especially for me, who, as I mentioned, if you didn't know our story, you maybe did not know that I was a stepmom. And we moved into a season where, you know, every other weekend, the boys are gone Mm -hmm. and they're not at church. And all of a sudden it was... All these conversations are having to come up. It was blaring that Mm -hmm. I'm a stepmom. It was blaring that we are a blended family. And it was really in this season... That God started me on just the journey of what it looks like to be a God honoring stepmom mm. and to be a God honoring blended family. Because um, we really didn't entirely have to deal with, I guess you could say, the label. Um, but now all of a sudden, life was presenting almost this label. Mm-hmm. And stepping through that was just a, a change from what had been. Right. And suddenly your boys are having experiences with the other side of the family where you're not there. You're not with them all the time. Yeah, it was a big shift. And, you know, there was a lot of learning in those early days, just even for the boys, you know, for kids and blended families, going back between two different houses is a shift and it's a change, Mm -hmm. especially when before they weren't doing that. And then all of a sudden they're doing it. Every other weekend, there's a learning process for the kids even of of what really is going on. And Mm -hmm. and we've been doing it so many years now where it's the norm. But early on, it was a transition really for everyone Mm -hmm. involved. I'm sure. And then you (laughs) had to put on a happy face and be supportive and encouraging for your boys, I'm sure. Yes. And I was also pregnant, which is really just like a hormone casserole. Right. Exactly. Or bomb, (laughs) one or the other. I'm emotional without pregnancy hormones. And so in those days, it was trying to figure out how to be the best and not perfect, but how to be my best for the boys, but also what was the best for the boys. Mm -hmm. And that became really me and my husband's aim and focus. And so that really started the process of maybe it's not exactly what we want. 
mm-hmm. what our flesh wants. Mm-hmm. But if it's what's best for the boys, we are going to do that and, and bringing God into the center of that. But for me personally, it was just, it was a big identity shift. I had gone through this whole summer trying to learn what it looked like to be a wife and a mom. And then just when maybe I've got my feet under me, mm-hmm. um, that role is going to change and it's going to be different. And so it was just a lot of tears and crying out to God in the process because I never wanted to wear any of that that pain or difficulty for the boys. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I wanted them to think I was perfect and always had it together, but it was something that was so sensitive that I never wanted them to feel any kind of ownership for mm-hmm. my emotions. So I cried out to God a lot and... I also went through some counseling during that That's good. that season, and that was a great help just to sort through a lot of the the changes in my life, a mm-hmm. lot of just identity, and to find healthy ways to take steps forward and to find healthy ways mm-hmm. of okay, what does this stepmom life really look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots of learning because stepmoms, stepdad, step parents, and blended families—they're dealing with extra things that maybe other parents aren't dealing with. Yeah. Every blended family looks different. Some do co-parenting really well. Some have lots of conflict. A lot of times the schedules look drastically different percentage of time between families. Like there's not one size fits all in this situation. Um, So for me, there's a a lot of complexities that I'm not necessarily going to share. I'm Mm -hmm. trying to share my story, but... I think sometimes it's a little bit difficult to really get to the depth of what's going on in your life without going too far Mm. and maybe airing out some laundry that maybe it's not best for your heart to be thinking Mm. and talking about. Or maybe it's not yours to share, like you said. Exactly. So if I seem a little bit like here's some of the details, but not sharing all the details, that's just no. We can respect my heart, but it is. It is hard and messy, mm-hmm. and um, as I said, counseling helped a lot in that season, and I had the pleasure of having another stepmom who had done it for years, and she was a great listening ear and just encouragement during that time. You know, I can remember being at church on Mother's Day, and this was after we started shared time with the boys. So for a stepmom, if you don't know this, uh, the kids are usually never with them during Mother's Day. Um, Never with stepmom on Mother's yes. Day. Yes. Yeah. And so um, I was at church and it was Mother's Day. And I remember just lots of really obscure statements because I was pregnant. And sometimes people would say things like, I bet you can't wait until next year when you're a real mom. Mm. You know, I think sometimes people don't know exactly what to say when it comes to blended families. And so they either say nothing or they maybe say something that they didn't really think through Mm -hmm. very well. It's probably better to say nothing. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Or honestly, what I would say is ask them, Mm. hey, I really don't know how to talk about this. What should I say? You Mm -hmm. know, my, my boy's had chosen to call me mom. And that's something that maybe another blended family, they call them by name or something, you know, and it's always helpful in that situation. If you don't know what to say, or you don't know what the dynamic is, be a learner. Mm -hmm. Hey, can you help me understand 
what it looks like in your home. And that's always a welcome invitation rather than maybe something that hasn't been thought through Mm -hmm. or just silence. But I remember that Mother's Day uh, ended with me in my husband's office just crying (laughs) because that phrase real mom is just so hard because I knew that I picked up a kid from pre-K every single day and fixed him lunch and talked about his day and put him down for a nap. And I was doing a first grader's homework every single day after school. Mm -hmm. All the mom things. And so it was hard to shift through, again, that identity piece and sometimes letting the outside world try and define that for you when really God's already defined our identity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm his daughter. And at the end of the day, everything else is a fill in the blank that we could honestly erase and rewrite in a different season. It looks different. Mm -hmm. But I am a daughter of God. Mm -hmm. I am his. And at the end of the day, the outside circumstances that I'm feeling, they're moving and changing always. But Mm -hmm. that's something that doesn't change. You know, talking through your story, I can't help but think that for those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, that we're all a part of a blended family. You yeah. know, it's a hodgepodge mix of all kinds of colors and nations, and yeah. yet God has adopted us as His own, and mm-hmm. that we together are a part of this beautiful, diverse, blended family. Yeah. You know, it's really a picture of His redemption. We we definitely are. I find lots of hope in that and just even different Bible stories, like Joseph is the best stepdad around, if you think about it. Mm. And anytime I'm thinking through different things, you know, comparison is often something that can happen in blended families or for a step parent. And anytime I'm feeling a little bit weird about that, I think about how like Joseph, like his comparison was to the best heavenly father around, Mm. you know? So how did he just like kill it with being who he was and being uh, the dad to Jesus that God had called him to be. Mm, That's good. Yeah. So I'm curious. You had Ivy and then recently you've had Tilly. Yeah. Have your boys ever shown any jealousy or anything like that as far as they grew in mom's tummy and we didn't? Yeah. You know, I think God totally knew what he was doing when he gave me girls because that was kind of instantly an equalizer. Mm. And honestly, the like the bonding process that has happened between them is again, it's an Ephesians 320 moment. Mm. Like Had I tried to script how we introduce essentially what they call an R's baby into the picture, God did it way better than I could have scripted. Mm -hmm. I mean, when Ivy was born, the boys were just like, they were smitten by her. Mm -hmm. What I tried to do was invite them into the process of her baby years. And so what I did was while I was nursing her, like I would nurse her around the boys, which at first I remember kind of thinking like, should I nurse in front of them or should I like cover myself, you know, all this stuff. And then I just decided like, this is a part of our family story. They need to be a part of it. It was a little crazy, but I always felt like inviting them into the process rather than like almost saying, this is my thing over here. Mm. I I need to go into another room all the time. Yeah. I think that was something that was a little bit helpful. And now with Tilly, like it's still a little bit crazy Mm -hmm. in our living room sometimes, (laughs) but it's good. And they are great, great older brothers Mm -hmm. to their sisters. And Ivy just loves them to death. And Tilly... 
I mean, she's only three months, but Abel can get the loudest baby giggles Mm -hmm. out of her. And it's just, it's sweet. And again, it's that more than you could ask or imagine. Like had I tried to make that work, I couldn't, but God Mm -hmm. is good and God is faithful. And he had it figured out even mm-hmm. before we ever knew. Right. What and it, it wasn't forced. Like. It just happened naturally. Yeah. Sometimes I think we can learn so much from our kids. You know, adults totally. complicate things. We overthink things. We want to yeah. control all the things. Yeah. And sometimes kids just have that humility about them where they love naturally and they just yeah. make it easy. Yeah. Totally. Not saying that it would be easy for all people. So if you're a blended family out there and it's like super hard in that area, like you said, all families are different. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I think the the summer that Ivy was born, that was the very first summer that we were doing a summer shared time. And I remember Oscar holding Ivy in her nursery, getting ready to leave for a visit. He was seven. And he was trying to explain to her, I'm going to be gone for a little bit, but I'm going to come back. I promise that I'll be back. So don't forget me. And he Mm. had tears in his eyes. And again, like hormone casserole over here is trying to not sob. And, you know, when I say that blended family is messy, it has a trickle effect where it affects so much more than the people who are in the divorce. Um, You know, Ivy a baby girl, is affected by her brothers leaving Mm -hmm. and not being there every once in a while. And um, to see some of that stuff through the kids' eyes is also just, sometimes it can be hard, but knowing to just encourage through it and Mm -hmm. speak truth. Mm -hmm. And through many of the different years of counseling and professional help, we're told that, you know, the boys having full freedom to love all of their family mm-hmm. is what's best for them. And so that's mm-hmm. what I'll grasp on to the, the truth in the moment where it's really hard. And what my flesh wants is I just, I don't want my family to be separated sure. for this week. Sure. But my flesh isn't always right. Right. And one thing that brings us confidence, you and I were talking about this before we hit record, is that God is outside of time. He exists outside of time. Mm-hmm. And so that means that He goes before us mm-hmm. and He goes after us and He walks beside us. And so just the fact that, you know, God doesn't like divorce, but mm-hmm. yet He knew what was going to happen and He knew that you were going to come into Kyle's life and He knew that you were going to be this amazing mom to these four kids. Yeah. And so the fact that He went ahead of you and... Yeah already knew. That gives me confidence even today whenever things are hard. Like he already knows what's going to happen and he's already orchestrating things in my favor for his glory, which is how he does the whole more than we can ask, think, or imagine thing. And I'm just super grateful for a God that's so much bigger than us and who knows so much more than we could ever know. Me too. Yeah. Me too. And it never takes away from the hard, but it's, it's such a comfort to know that that truth is always there and is always present. And He's so good how he orchestrates it all, you know. Here I was thinking, God has wired me to help students who have been in difficult situations and need extra care and attention to find health. And God all of a sudden just twisted that plan and that path and said, hey, here's here's some kids. Mm. Why don't you love them? Mm-hmm. And like I said, it's not glorified and mm-hmm. the pretty white picket fence every day, but it is a calling that mm-hmm. I feel God has given me. Like it's hard to be a mom 
And I just want to try and be a good mom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'll take it day by day. And Mm -hmm. right now with a baby, sometimes it's hour by hour. Yeah. All right. So you've been in this for a while now. If you could go back and give yourself advice, or even if you were sharing insight with the blended family today, what would that be? So, I mean, if you are a stepmom out there or, you know, a spouse in a blended family, I most of all want you to know that you're not alone and that you're seen. And um, hopefully you're on a journey as well to figuring out how to be a God-honoring blended family and lead your family in a healthy way. Parenting in general is so hard. Um, And when you're a part of a blended family, there's so many dynamics that are out of your control, whether it's schedules or preferences or just family dynamics in another home. Mm -hmm. A lot of that's out of your control and that Mm -hmm. can be really, really hard. So you're not alone. And there's also lots of resources and help along the way. So at the end of the podcast, I think we'll talk some about the resources, Um, but really God is just... He's been working on my heart to really write down some of these things that I've learned over the years Mm -hmm. and have even kind of partnered with our church life church some. They're developing um, some content for blended families. And so they've been asking some questions that really have just made me and my husband reflect over Mm -hmm. the last years and some of the things that we've learned. So if it's okay, I'd love to share some of those. And the first one I've kind of already touched on. But the first one is what you put in your mind and heart is what is going to come out. As I mentioned earlier, there's often a lot of conflict in blended family situations. So spending a good chunk of time thinking or venting or talking about it constantly, it will have an effect on your heart. And it's possibly going to have an effect on how you treat the kids. And so you want to be sure and spend your time and energy wisely. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I said, my flesh is weak and it maybe doesn't always make the right decisions. And so I don't want to give my flesh more ammo Mm -hmm. in a certain situation to maybe let some of that come out towards the kids. Yeah, Because what they're hearing you say are things that are going into their heart as well. So yeah, if that's where all of your focus is, it's going to come out in your interactions with really everyone, not just the kids. Um, And we just recently in our last series this fall, Anxious for Nothing, we talked about changing our perspective. Mm -hmm. So you can focus on all the bad and maybe there's a lot of bad stacked up, but you also do have the ability to think about the good or maybe some of the bad, you can actually change your perspective and realize that some of it's good. Mm -hmm. Um, And at least God can use it for good. Exactly. So in the tough seasons, really try changing your perspective because that will change your heart and that will change your mind. For you, how do you change your perspective whenever you are having one of those like bleak, this is really, really difficult days? How do you do that? (laughs) Well, it's pretty common in Kyle and my marriage. I will ask him to remind me of true things pretty often because as an emotionally driven person, sometimes emotions can cloud truth. Mm -hmm. And so there's maybe a moment where it seems like this is horrible and everything's falling apart. But really, there are true things, even if at the end of the day, the truth is we have no clue what is going to happen with this situation, but we know that God is near. Mm, Yeah, that's good. Next, put boundaries in place for how you and your spouse talk about the conflict. If the conflict is ever extreme enough and it's consuming all of your time, thoughts, and energy, 
that's a great time to see a professional and just seek some extra help and resources in that time. Mm -hmm. But really, I found that I don't want to give the conflict that much power in my life. Um, Don't give the conflict an invitation into your family's time. And most importantly, don't give it an invitation into your marriage's time. That's a good word. Some of the boundaries I have put in place is... um, We maybe sometimes need to put a cap on conversations once they've been resolved, you know. Also, something else that's been helpful is uh, filing emails. So early on, I could sometimes read a not-so-nice email basically until the point that I had it memorized. Mm -hmm. Why, you may ask. Mm -hmm. Who does that help? And so now I read it once, maybe twice, if we really need to discuss next steps or how to respond, and then it gets filed and it's out of my inbox so that I can't be tempted to read it 20 Mm -hmm. times because at the end of the day, I'm just a better mom, stepmom if I don't have those words memorized and am feeling upset about it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, another one that we've learned is to help your kids love all of their family freely. It's not enough to just not speak negatively about the other family, but to go a step further and actually encourage them to express their love for them in different ways allows the kids full freedom to love. And I'm not saying it's easy. Mm, That's really good, Kim. (laughs) It's super hard, but, you know, I found myself doing this in ways of when they were too small to address a letter, but they wanted to send a letter to grandma. Mm -hmm. I can address it for you. I can participate in that to help you express your love in that way. Or it might look like genuinely asking questions about their time away, not with an agenda, Mm -hmm. but like, what was the best part? How did you feel when this happened? Mm -hmm. You know, and really just talking to them. Kids are really perceptive and they may at Mm -hmm. some point know that there's conflict between the two families or maybe that the families aren't really close together, but caring about what they care about Mm -hmm. goes a really, really long way. Yeah. And so I've honestly just had moments where I force myself to do that. Mm -hmm. I may not feel like doing it, but at the end of the day, it's what's best for the boys. Right. So you're putting your actions in front of your feelings. And then maybe sometimes feelings will follow. Maybe they won't. But yeah, I think that's really powerful. Yeah. Another one that we've come across is that some hills are not worth dying on. Hmm. Yeah. Um, early on into shared time, uh, we could get into conflict about every small detail that the other family did differently. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of conflict. And it caused a lot of unneeded stress really on both ends. And in reality, of course, they're going to do things differently. Mm. They are not you. Um, It's an entirely different household. And so finding what your non-negotiables are And that's the hill that's worth fighting on. Even if maybe it brings conflict, if it's a non-negotiable, it's worth it. Okay. But if it's not the hill worth dying on, you don't have to like it, Mm -hmm. but it may not require actually like bringing it up or communicating about it, which would maybe lead to a conflict. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's been super helpful. Um, What else? What else you got? Keep going. These are good. These are great. We talked earlier a little bit about this, but don't parent out of comparison, um, which can be Mm, so (laughs) hard to do, right? Um, Comparison is often the thief of joy, but you know, we can't make decisions in a reactive way based on how 
the other family chose to parent. Like an example could be, well, they got them a bunch of toys. So we need to go and buy them a bunch of new stuff as well. Mm -hmm. And anytime you parent out of comparison, whether you're in a blended family or not, it doesn't end well. And so what we've done is you know, decide with your spouse what your values are and where you want to see your children in the future and then make decisions based on that. Mm -hmm. Don't make decisions based on other people who aren't even in your home right? um, and what they're choosing to do. I think that's so good. And I I know you're talking about blended families and you said it, but I mean, man, that can speak to anyone who's a parent right? or anyone who's not a parent. Like don't compare yourself to people outside your home. And the thing is, we know this, but we're still prone to do it. Sure. Yeah. Um, Another one is as a stepmom with biological children as well. I just want to encourage you, if you're in that place, it's okay to feel the difference between your step and biological children. There is a difference. And I think often people can kind of place a negative tone on difference. You Mm -hmm. know, it might feel like, well, if you feel like there's a difference, that means you love one less than you love the other. And that's actually not the case. And if we celebrate the differences, that's genuine and that's true love rather than trying to pretend it's not different. Mm -hmm. That's not genuine. And so, you know, in my situation, I can um, celebrate the physiological part of breastfeeding Mm -hmm. one child and how that can fuel that relationship. But then for another, I can celebrate, man, I stepped into their story in this season Mm -hmm. and, you know, whatever it may look like to be confident in the roles that God has placed you in rather than trying to compare it or pretend like it's all the same. Mm. That is seriously great. And just the fact that you can love them all. And I even say this to my kids, like, I love you both equally, but differently because you're two different kids. Totally. You know? And so I think that's such a great and healthy point. Yeah. And I think I learned that early on, like trying to be sure and make sure everyone felt the same amount of love. When in reality, when I tapped into, they're all different Mm. human beings. And those differences aren't something that's bad, but it's the way God's created them. And and to be celebrated, like you said. The next one um, would be to be consistent. And again, this is, I think, something that's huge in parenting in general, Mm -hmm. but especially for blended families, especially if the kids are going back and forth between two houses, um, a lot of times those two houses are very different, a different set of values, expectations, environment. So being consistent in your house allows uh, your home to be a safe place. And even if maybe the kid may not enjoy it, like maybe it has more rules than the other house, they know what to expect at the end of the day as well. It feels safe and secure and not guessing. I wonder what this week will be like Mm -hmm. in our home. Um, And so being consistent will help with the confusion for them of going back and forth between environments. Mm -hmm. I think you should just write a book. These are all awesome. (laughs) I don't have time to write a book. (laughs) Do you have any more? Um, The last one I have is to share and celebrate stories as a family. I think stories are powerful. I think that's why Jesus used stories often to teach because there's power in stories. And so if you have blended a family at some point, there's a beginning to that story of blending. And that story is one that can be retold and be reminded. And then that story also continues. So telling that story and celebrating the highlights along the way. Um, We have pictures that pop up on our TV, like as a screensaver, 
um, the very first picture I ever took with the boys is one of the pictures that pops up or mm-hmm. the picture of Kyle and my first date because we want to celebrate the story that God has given us. And so mm-hmm. reminding the family of all the good things that God has given us um, is something that's really, really important and that we try to remember to do on a regular basis. It's a great practical nugget of how to do that. Yeah. And to take it a step further, um, not just stories, sometimes family traditions come up in our stories. Mm -hmm. Like we remember the family traditions that we do every single year and, you know, we're getting ready to go into a really hectic holiday season. Mm-hmm. Um, things are going to start going super, super busy, and everybody feels the hustle and bustle of the holiday season. Things get magnified, emotions, all of that during this this season. And if you're a part of a blended family, maybe your reality, much like ours, is that schedules are super crazy mm-hmm. and busy and hectic during the holidays. We don't always share the same holiday every year. And so something that's been really helpful with that is to have certain family traditions that we do. Because one year we might celebrate Christmas on December 25th. The next year we'll celebrate it on a later date in Mm -hmm. December. And that's okay. And that's okay. But keeping this tradition of our Christmas carbonara or whatever it is that we do, it helps the whole family know what to expect and also have something to look forward to. So as parents, maybe when you're missing a kid who's away, um, you can remember, okay, but in five days, they're going to be here and we're going to do this. Mm. Or even for our girls, you know, they sometimes miss out on when their brothers are gone, but hey, they're going to be here. And on this day, we're going to do this. So family traditions has been a really helpful thing Mm. for us to kind of weather through, honestly, the holiday blues, Mm -hmm. like our first holiday year was really, really tough. And so with each one, I think um, we've found things that are helpful and family traditions are really helpful Mm. for us to weather through some of the stuff that holidays throw your way. That's good. It makes me think of the book, The Power of Moments. Yeah. And how from our childhood, you know, we don't always remember the day-to-day in between, but we remember those times that were made special. You know, creating those moments does something to our brain where Mm -hmm. we remember it, you know, and it gives us a sense of security or or whatever it might be. So, and with that, I would love to know if you have any other resources that you just love that have impacted you maybe throughout this season with blended families or maybe just in general. Yeah. Well, if we are talking about just my whole life. I have this little bookmark right here in my Bible, and it actually comes from Living Free in Christ by Dr. Neil Anderson, but it's just like a little bookmark that talks about who I am in Christ. Mm. And so you can see it's been written on, and it's a list of scriptures that basically remind me the truth of my identity. So you can just pull it out when you need it. Oh, totally. It's like, a man, I'm feeling kind of a mess, and I can pull out these scriptures and be reminded of who I am in Christ. And anyone could do that. You could type out or write down some different verses because that's what it looks like it is. Yeah. I had a wise mentor in college who said, you're always balancing between this is what I feel and this is what I know. Mm -hmm. And I feel lots of things. (laughs) So it's really important sometimes to remind myself of the things I know. Things you know. I may feel like a hot mess, but the thing I know is that I'm a daughter of Christ. 
some of the other helpful resources, specifically for blended families. Uh, there's a book called The Smart Step Family by Ron Deal. And that's a super great book. There's a smart stepmom that I haven't read, but I see some of the highlights on. If you're on social media, Family Life Blended is a great social media to follow on Instagram or Facebook that has just truthful quotes and ideas to help throughout your day. And then as a parent of four kiddos, I have been listening to the five love languages for children. Mm. Uh, on audio. I have not finished it, but like I love every time I put it on, it helps me think through all four different needs and what they need from me and how I can be available and show up in that way. So like I said, I haven't finished it, but the halfway point's awesome. So I would totally recommend that. And then also just starting your day off with maybe a plan from the Bible app. Sometimes I do parenting plans in the morning just to kind of set the course of my day. And also, as I mentioned, uh, Life Church has been creating content for blended families. And there's going to be a link in the bio if you want to take um, that content and run through it with maybe a life group or some of your friends or just listen to it with you and your spouse. Mm-hmm. Kim, you have shared so much insight and practical nuggets. So before we head out, will you just leave us with one final word of advice or encouragement, just something that you want us all to remember as we go about our week? You know, wherever you are on the other side of this podcast today, I want you to know you're not alone. Uh, Maybe you're not in a blended family situation like me, but something else struck a chord. Just know that life is sometimes messy and hard and unknown. But God is good and God is faithful, and He really can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. So true. Thank you for taking the time to share and for just bringing this to light. Derek and I are just so thankful for you and Kyle for who you are and for the example that you set through difficult things, and we're just really grateful to know you. Oh, thanks. We're pretty big fans of you guys, too. Thank you so much for having me. guys, I'm excited to tell you we have some really great stuff linked up in the conversation notes. If you are part of a blended family, Life Church has developed some incredible content to help resource you as you continue on this journey. From videos to Bible plans to blog posts, be sure to utilize these things in your own family, in your life group, and in your own life as well. As always, you can subscribe in all the usual places, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, You can join our email list and connect with us on Instagram at The Messy Table Podcast. And friends, as you head into Thanksgiving and then on to Christmas, don't forget to remember that yes, life is messy, but God is at work in your mess.